podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Award-winning, a Celtic state of mind. I'm Tony Haggerty, and I'm joined at the minute by the AAC, the amazing Amy Canavan. We are waiting for the resident rascal to join us, Russell Boyce. That should be imminent. How are you, Amy? You all right? Yeah, I'm a bit like Russell. I'm in a bit of a rush today. Um, <laughs> there must be something in the water. Um, but no, I'm doing well. Doing, doing well, Tony. Delighted to be here with you. How, how are you? I'm very well. You'll have had a good weekend because Celtic won and your Bonnie Rig Rose won. So you'll be yes. up there somewhere, yes, in the Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um yeah, the draw was done again yesterday, so got an away tie to Alwa. Um so it'll be Barry Ferguson again. Um obviously used to manage Kelty Hart, so kind of an old foe. But yeah, delighted to get through with the favour of the home tie, obviously. Um yes. but you know it's it's the beauty of the Scottish Cup. I think to be honest with you, Tony, I was as much as obviously I, I love um Bonnerig and it's it's unbelievable that when you start working so closely to a club how much an affiliation you get with them you just get so invested in it um but just not so long ago both Paul and I we both spoke to the guys down at Haddington and they had a Scottish Cup heartbreak again yesterday um eh, on Saturday sorry they were obviously playing uh Brecon and in the 90th minute they conceded um I think it was actually going to go down as an own goal so that's the um the end of their kind of journey and they had they had a great run like season and it was the same sort of manner so it was a it was a bit of a tough one. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Well you can see the bottom of your screen better late than never. The resident oh. rascal <laughs> has decided to join us. There he is complete with a Didis tracky it how are you Russell? I'm very well I'm reverting to type. I'll be honest I don't know what happened there. I literally only just got the email two seconds ago so I said the same Amy said the same thing. Fashionably late, mate. Fashionably. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, indeed. Fashionably being the correct choice of word. Right. Third 2-0 win for the leather belts on the spin. Amy, I'll come to you. Now, there's been an element and a measure of control about Celtic's last three performances, which is kind of in stark contrast to the, dare I say it, the free-flowing, the rip-roaring free Blowing, never boring Glasgow Celtic that we saw earlier on in Angie's reign. Now, 
Amy, do you think that Angie's philosophy is now in full flow at Celtic? Do you think that that's the way Celtic are now going to play with a measure of control and, uh, yeah, just sort of dominating proceedings without actually pummeling teams, as it were? There's definitely a greater element of control. Um, it's not quite so so erratic. And I don't want to come out and, you know, you don't want to say that you don't miss the, the attacking football that we were all kind of showing right at the beginning because we were. Nobody was really against that. You, you can't be too disappointed or disheartened at a 6 0 win, you know. But it was more just the, the worry on, on the flip side, the flip side, sorry, of like, you know, what could go wrong defensively. And that was starting to like muffle through um, in the. In, perhaps on the European stage, you know, games against Hearts as well, Rangers, we all remember them, Livingston, that, that sort of thing. Um, so it's good now just to see just a little bit of composure perhaps, you know, the, the excitement at the front is also just instilled at the back as well, everything's a little bit more balanced. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an approach I think that most Celtic fans can, can certainly get behind. Now Russell, the swashbuckling may have gone, but I tell you what, I'll take winning over swashbuckling any day of the week. And the last three times I've enjoyed watching Celtic and obviously I've been, the thing I've enjoyed the most is the results. Yes, we are reassuringly efficient right now. I always remember the Stella Artois advert that was reassuringly expensive. <laughs> I think we are reassuringly efficient right now and it is amazing to see the turnaround. And I think Ange came out yesterday. I, you know, I like to listen to his quotes. Not as a big a fan of the highlights reel because I think a lot of them are on the back of poor results, to be honest with you. But the mm. quotes I like to hear are when after victories, not after poor results and he's deflecting and being smart with media. I prefer listening to the reality of what he's actually trying to do. He came out and he said yesterday, two words, patience and discipline. Um, <laughs> far removed from what I was seeing in Seville against Betis, for example. And I am all for it, by the way. I'm absolutely delighted. We're right now looking at Celtic winning matches almost with not that much to talk about like there was before. You know, it's like, this is bliss. It's like, in a good way, I mean, obviously, we like the podcast to be a bit juicy sometimes, but there's something that's like, at no point on Saturday did you think we were going to lose. No. It's a wonderful feeling to have, Tony. And, yeah. and I genuinely don't believe that that was the case up to the turning point against Pataudry, which is yeah. now looking more and more like people were comparing before as a landmark moment in the season when we got that goal with, what was it, 15, 20 minutes to go and we took back charge of our own destiny. And now the players... There seems to be a, a real, I'll go back to what Ange says, patience and discipline about them. We do not come out the traps like a greyhound desperate to score from minute one, you know, and, and, and all gung-ho. It does seem to have changed. It's more measured. Um, whilst there'll be a bit of that the players understand in the system more, and I don't dispute that. Of course I get that. But there is undoubtedly an instruction now that has changed. I am not going to be kid, kid on. I know exactly what they are. But it's undoubted that we're still dominating the ball as much as we were, but we had a third of the shots on target, for example, on Saturday, despite almost the exact same amount of possession. It's what we did when we were winning six nils. So it is more controlled now, and I'm all for it, Tony. Well, McMillan comes in says we seem to have slowed it down a bit, more deliberate. Now, Amy, at the risk of going all David Turnbull and making that words like swaz, I'm going to say... Have we witnessed a bit of Ange dapting, Russell, like that? <laughs> Ange dapting to the circumstances now, and that's why we're getting a consistent run of results. I think maybe it's, a, it's an element of it. I think it'd be hard to, to say that it's not. But I think perhaps a, a more overbearing factor than, than actually adapting is just the, the greater, you know, the, the, the greater amount of players that he's got his, at his disposal. It cannot, it cannot be underestimated. You know, you're, you're talking about, we will come on to it, but even bringing on the likes, you know, uh, Mikey Johnston, Leila Bada, Albion Nieti, they're all from the bench. You know, you're not having to shoehorn them in to a system yeah. that's not really best suited for. Um, 
I know perhaps you can talk about shoehorning and then maybe that's how we'll go out on the wide. And again, I know we'll, we'll come on to that in greater depth later, but I just feel there's there's just greater options now and you can't underestimate, you know, having options at your at your disposal. Um, so I think that's probably the the greatest difference from, you know, two or three months ago. Um, and I think the guys perhaps touched on it yesterday in the, in the post-match reaction that, you know, if you played Michelin tomorrow, you know, it's not. It's going to be such a different result, and you know, not a lot has changed since then. Well, a lot has changed since then. Sorry, but it's more the the greatest thing for me, and, and the greatest um, difference is is just the amount of players and the type of players that that, um, that Ange can rely on. Yeah, auctions is a big thing. Russell Amy makes a valid point there. That's probably the strongest team and bench that Celtic fielded on on Saturday against St Johnson without a, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, a hundred percent, Tony. With that becomes, you know, more flexibility, 100% in what, what his lineup can be because the games are always thick and fast in these domestic seasons, you know, between, you know, then we've got Europe to contend with or when we don't have Europe, we've got Hibs midweek this week, for example. So you need to have options. Amy's absolutely right. Of course it benefits the manager that he's got that. Would I like to see, with that flexibility and more options, perhaps being a wee bit more flexible in the formation, perhaps that's something that may be implemented Further on in the season, as Yakimakis gets up to speed, because I definitely feel that Kyogo's contribution might not be as strong when he's out in the wide, although he still brings a heck of a lot to the team, and we're lucky to have him. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the options that, that, that we're talking about, Amy's talking about, 100%, they help. That has Ange adapted. Um, I, you know, it doesn't need to become a you know a saga talking about Ange adapting. I think it's there for you to see. Your eyes don't lie. Yeah. There's no two ways, like the commenter said there, it seems more deliberate now when we're, when we're making attacking moves. It seems more measured when we start a match. We don't seem to be coming out like a steam train, which is great. Um, and then obviously, what I liked about what Anne said yesterday as well was we were also clinical when we got our first real chance. Mm-hmm. And that came for the big man up front. Uh, again, gives us another dynamic and another way to play, even if it is Ange won't change his formation we still have now a different a different option or a different way to get the ball forward when you've got the big man up top. And I think, you know, I thought he was really, it was a refreshing change to have that. And whilst he might not be able to press teams in the same manner as, as a Kyogo would, I thought he took his finish, you know, was, mm. you know, without getting giddy, was from the John Hartson sort of statement. Oh, I thought, I've seen similarities of that and that's been missing this season. So a wonderful addition so far. Yeah, the way he adjusted his body position, because it came waist high to, to score a volley, it's a, it's a difficult skill. Martin Cassidy comes in, good day boys and girls, we are on the right path and getting stronger and better each week and much more confidence. Also clear to see the weekly opponents know this with their approach. That's fair enough as well. I thought you were talking about me, Russell, there when you referred to thick and fast. I was going <laughs> to but uh, we'll gloss over that. Now, Amy, Cameron Carter-Vickers... 10 appearances, Carol Starfelt, 18 appearances, six goals conceded between them in the league. It's the second, bet, well, it's the joint best record alongside Dundee United. But Carol Starfelt's a dumpling, isn't he? We keep, we, we, we're getting told, you know, he, he's not a very good centre-back. Alan Morrison would tell you that those stats belie those facts, that Carol Starfelt is actually now settling into central defensive role at Celtic and alongside Cameron Carter-Vickers, they're the joint best defence in the league. has to be something to be said for that. They're certainly building up a strong partnership, absolutely. Um, and I think it's an admirable one and one that, you know, there's certainly an element of, of confidence in it and, and that's what you need. Um, I think it speaks volumes that perhaps over the last few games you've not really had to mention um, Joe Hart that many times and, and that is a credit to, to his, his two men in front of him as well. I know there, there's many elements to it but it certainly helps and it's that defensive unit that we talk about you know that little triangle right at the back um, and it's so important that you know, there's a, a, there's a bit of unity there and, and there's strong communication but you know, Starfield, he's, he's came under um, some criticism, a, a fair bit of pressure. Um, I don't think it was all merited, but I think, you know, I think at times because of the, the pedigree that he came with and perhaps the expectations that everybody had, that was perhaps why there was, you know, some 
I don't want to say like hound him, but I think he was just maybe put under the limelight a little bit more because everybody had such high expectations from where he came from, Swedish internationalist and everything like that. But he certainly got a little bit of confidence beside him and, and Carter Vickers. Um, and, you know, again, the, guy, the guy's touching up on it yesterday. This is, he's playing on, on the wrong side of the defence for him. You know, he's not that left-sided sided player um, but he, he's he's certainly doing doing a job there for now and you know I don't think there's anyone in particularly that position you know because if Julian comes in he'll want to be the, the right as well so there's not a lot of pressure on him right now as I think it's probably Liam Scales who'll be next in line so there's a little bit of confidence in him um, perhaps he knows that his place is a little bit solidified right now but he's he's grown with every game for sure Jake Ryan comes in Russell Starfield is a good player but he's always got a mistake in him but I actually thought he had a terrific game on Saturday. And the wristwatch yeah. experience comes in and says, Hart is a steady influence. Your thoughts on the Starfelt Cameron Carter Vickers partnership, Russell? Do you think it's yeah, I mean, finally gelling at the back, as they say? I, I think so. And, and, you know, he comes with a pedigree, you would expect that. I also think what the problem is, he's came with a pedigree, which we are, we're all expecting, you know, a reputation, a good CV, and we're all holding that against him almost when he has a meddling period. I also then find once he'd made a few mishaps, you know, the own goal was almost comical when you look back at it. Um, I also feel like it's very hard to shake that tag once you're given it that you're the weak link at the back. And I think maybe whenever he makes a mistake, it's more glaring than when other players make mistakes. Players make mistakes all over the pitch. Every player has a mistake in them, really. You know, yeah. it's just it's just the manner of his. And I think Potentially, he has a, a style, a, a technique about him that also doesn't, you know, I think causes doubt in Celtic fans' minds. Where even though he's doing something right, it might not look as comfortable as, say, when a Cameron Carr Vickers is spraying passes. You know, it looks all so natural. And maybe I, I can't think of the word I'm trying to go ungangly or something like that style that start. Cumbersome, I think. Cumbersome is good. Was the word we used or I used the other week, and I, and yeah, and I, I stand by that. But you have to give credit when he actually does does well, and he did very well. You know, so that is an element of him settling in. Daniel Farrell comes in, and also thinks Starfield's a better defender than Julian. Julian is a better goal threat, but he's a big fairy that gets bossed by big footballers. <laughs> well, you're entitled to your opinion. That's fair enough. <laughs> Jim G comes in, spare a thought for Wells. Hope he keeps getting a chance. Well, that's that's again going back to the options that Amy was talking about. It's, yeah. it's a headache to have. But no, I'm 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 being more and more impressed by Starfield on a game by game basis. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think that's what's important to I, you know? Yeah, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, it's what Russell and I have kind of just a both to. It's gonna It's going to grow over time, um, you know, He's, he's getting used to his, his teammates, his surroundings. Um, you know, there's quite a daunting prospect, the 60,000 Celtic fans around you. So he's he's improving with every game, but I think it, imp- it 
it helps because he's building that partnership at the same time as Carter Vickers. You know, there's not it's not perhaps the experienced head and then the the you know the, the student and the master sort of thing. They're they're both learning together. They've both came in, um, and they're just having to get to grips with with everything and each other at the same sort of rate. Frank Bering presents his big Joe Hart has been a great signing in all manner of ways and fast on his way to becoming a true Celtic legend. Time will tell on that, Frank, of course. But we can't talk about Cameron Carter Vickers on Saturday without talking about Chris Kane ladling into him and punching him and the net result being a booking for Cameron Carter Vickers. Now, for those of a certain vintage, and I might have mentioned this before, there used to be in the Ship magazine uh, a section called You Are the Ref. And for a while, every every uh, question that they asked, they asked you questions on the laws of the game. And every question, the answer D was book Paul Elliott because Paul Elliott got booked for like 15 games in a row. So <laughs> I I go back to, I don't, again, hate referees being the subject of debate on the pod, but that's an outrageous decision by Nick Walsh. I just, it's utterly, utterly outrageous how a man can be kicked on the floor repeatedly and then a punch swung at him with a loose connection and he books a Celtic player. Incredulous. It has to be rescinded. In fact, it can't be rescinded, can it? Because you can't challenge a yellow card. But my goodness, I, I, I despair. I despaired at that decision. I really did. Well, Tony, I mean, I know you don't want to talk about referees, but for me, the gloves are off on referees now, just as they were for Mr Kane on Saturday afternoon when he starts trying to swing punches uh, after taking a blatant flag boot at a man who's on the deck. Mr. One? It, well, there's one that's like the half one and then he's got away with that and it's just the next one's just... Uh, there's no at no point is he thinking about the ball with that mm. second one. He's not playing football anymore. No. That's the most important thing here. He's not doing anything to benefit you know, winning back possession of that, he has literally aimed a kick. And then when he's seen a reaction, because he showed his temper was already frayed, right, with the second second kick, or the one and a half kicks, I would maybe call it, right? But I also think the fact he's reacted so quickly with a punch tells you he's in red mist zone. Oh, yeah, How yeah, the referee yeah. can possibly identify that as a booking for a man who's literally getting to his feet and defending himself and yeah. is obviously in shock at what's just happened. I find it incredulous that that's a book in each. Yeah. And that's not, let's stop all this, you know. Oh, I feel sorry for referees. I feel, I'm, you know, anyone can get that decision right. The guy mm-hmm. should walk straight away. Yeah. It's a red card every day of the week. And it's, it's are you all right to Cameron Carter Vickers? That's what you ask, because their job is to protect players' safety, first yeah. and foremost. Now, you're right there. The ref's not got a, you know, a, you know, obscured view of this. I don't understand how it gets missed, and the punch is an insult more to the referee than it is Cameron Carter Vickers because this guy has now got carte blanche to do what he wants. That's how he feels, and he, yeah. you know, I've never, I can't believe that he's done that big swing of the boot, and then when Cameron Carter Vickers gets up, he feels comfortable enough to swing a punch, and you know what, Chris Kane was right. Because at the end of the day, he only got a booking and he knew the victim would get a booking as well. And that seems to be acceptable. It's shocking. And, you know, retrospective action you're talking about, Tony, whilst they might not be able to have a yellow card or something, surely that referee, when they get decisions that wrong, has Aye. to be looked at. He used to come out and say a commuter or something. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just it's a shocking decision, but... McKellen comes in, it was a definite raid, it's blatant as Ken's punch and Bruni a few years ago, and strange language, the doctor came, was on the comment before, and he said, next up, Cameron Carter Vickers, he's <laughs> Kane in the cup next, 50-50, woof, Damien, he's woofed. That's <laughs> I think Chris Kane was upset because Cameron Carter Vickers put an early challenge in him, which I would describe as robust, very hard and fair, and I think he was still reeling from that, and yep. on. Because it was very, very early. I think it may even have been the first minute of the game. But I take it your thoughts are the same as Russell's, Amy, that you just can't get away with that, can you? Or you should have walked. No, Nick Walsh has been in the um, the 
the, the firing line probably for a few weeks now because these decisions and you know if you look at them you, you can't really disagree as, as to why I think again yesterday I don't think it was a solid performance at all I think it got a lot of decisions wrong um, you know you can analyse so many of them but if you want to go to, to that particular instant kind of like Russell the first kick I don't even really have that much of a problem with it because he, there is still an attempt for the ball the yep. second kick that's just a boot it's as simple as the second the second that leg is you know initiating a, a boot because that's all it is um mm-hmm. but that's a sending off um then the punch as well so I think I think the most alarming thing is is that you know Nick Walsh is he's he's tricked with towards the incident with the card in his hand and the yellow card in his hand the in his run over he he knows I don't even know if he, if he even sees as much as is what he should to be honest with you but he knows right away he's only booking the two of them no matter what happened that that was all that was in his mind that I was booking mm-hmm. with because he's approached the situation with the yellow card in his hand um I, I think it's astonishing that that Carter Vickers can walk away with a booking from that you know that so if a guy gets punched and kicked, you know, I'm going to get booked as well. Um, yeah, 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 there's just so many decisions throughout the day. Um, you know, even in the lead up to the penalty, how many fouls were in the lead up to that Celtic yeah. penalty? And I understand he's went back and booked eyebrows, he booked Ambrose, sorry. Um, and I fair enough, but I think there was just that it was a catalogue of disasters yesterday. You can try and stick up for referees all you want, but that was um, that was a shocking, shocking performance. In yep. reply to Strange Love the Doctor, Tony, all I would say is one word, slobber knocker. <laughs> ah, indeed, indeed. That'll, that'll come out at Hamden in the wash, as they say, and we'll deal with that when the time comes. <laughs> now, another important issue on Saturday, Kyogo out wide. Amy, nine goals, 14 appearances, our Japanese boy, wee bit of a hero, cult hero now, big hero. But I think everybody knows that he, he functions best through the middle, doesn't he? But he was put out wide to accommodate Giacomacchus. Again, going back to the fact that we had now a plethora of options, which is good for the manager, good head if you have. But do you still want to see Kyogo functioning through the middle? Or can you see a time when Kyogo and Giacomacchus will play? down the middle rather than out wide? It's kind of what Russell was, was alluding to earlier. Um, you know, with all these players now as options um, uh, at Angie's disposal, then you're thinking, does it then also accumulate and contribute towards then a change in formation? Because I do think that's perhaps the only way that you can probably get the best out of both of them up top. I'm not a fan of Kale go out wide. Um, I know there's a few people that still can like persevere with it a little bit but I think it's just frustrating because you know the impact that he could be having if he was through the middle it's not that he doesn't do a decent enough job out wide because he does you know and I think he tracks back as well um, I think Alan Morrison brought that up a few weeks ago that how much he tracks back compared to perhaps Yota and Abada so in that sense you do have like that extra body at the back yeah. um, and, and you know I, I'm not going to perhaps argue about that but it's not that he can't do it out wide it's just because you know what he could be doing on, uh, through the middle in the in the middle, um, and and that's it's just frustrating because there was a few scenarios yesterday, um, Saturday, sorry, that you were just like, oh God, if Kyogo was just looming there, lurking there, if he was just in and about, because they, him and, and Yakamakas, they are different players, and then rightly so, you know, totally different physiques, totally different skill sets, um, but I'd kind of like to see them together complementing each other rather than Kyogo having to be out wide and always be, you know, the the contributor. The irony is, Russell, I actually thought Kyogo played really well with the role he was asked to do, right? With this tracking. I mean, people, that's the dirty side of the game that people don't automatically recognise. Just because he's not scoring doesn't mean he's not contributing and not having a good game. But because he's hurt the ground running, or hit the ground running, sorry, by scoring so many goals and being so effective through the middle, he's he's barred somewhere up there. Mm -hmm. And the perception is that he's fallen below that when he goes out wide. And that's that's up to individuals to, to call that, you know. But I actually thought he, he's still contributing to the team, which is what obviously Ange wants as well. That team ethic, and just because he's no scoring doesn't mean you say he's playing badly, but he might be less effective out wide, as Amy says. And you do want to see him through the middle because that's a more natural position, or it seems to be a, a more natural position for him, doesn't it? Amy's watching the exact same way as I am. You yeah. cannot... You can't watch Kyogo out wide in isolation mm-hmm. and not 
hark back to what he does when he's through the middle. You just you can't help it as a football fan, but contrast and compare. I would love just to watch Kyogo, having never seen him through the middle, and go, you're, you're right, he's tracking back, he's work ethic. He was still, he was still contributing in the final third as well. But the fact is, you know what he does through the middle, and you'll yeah. always it'll just annoy you at the back of your mind. Yeah. When you, I, I think it'd be very interesting if we've got two sides to this. If Andrew's going to be completely original, we've been told he'll never change. We've been told he's not changed, whatever. But we've been told he won't change, right? And if that means he's going to be rigid with formation, I'm now thinking as the season goes on. This is a debate we had maybe a few weeks ago about the Rogic and Turnbull conundrum, mm. okay? And you begin to think, see, Petrodja, we played a six and eight and a ten. Why not play a six and an eight and then play Kyogo as your ten in and around Jakimakis? Jakimakis up top, but Kyogo in behind him. If we're not going to compromise in the formation, that means, and then you would have your regular wide players out wide and Kyogo just being a wee buzz ball off Jakimakis because what we've seen particularly on Tuesday against Ferencvaros when Jack Marcus came on, was a completely different option of holding the ball up, winning yeah. fouls in the centre circle, and you think, imagine if he had a wee Kyogo touch tight to him, the layoffs, and I'm not, you know, I've already compared these finish to John Hartson, so I'm not, don't back down, double down, but you might be able to see a bit of the Larson Sutton sort of thing, where players, you know, intelligent players make intelligent runs, Eddie, you'll be telling us we'll score 10 next against somebody. <laughs> well, I just think right now, Kyogo's not wasted out wide. That's the, the different side. He's not wasted out wide, but we know what he's capable of through the middle. And whilst you've brought a new player in who's the top scorer in Holland to 26 goals last year, the next top scorer in Holland last season scored 19 and cost, I think it was something like £27 million for Dortmund to sign. We got this guy, Mark Anthony is the uh, Sky Sports journalist. Is Mark no? What's he called? Anthony Joseph. Something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Anthony Joseph, yeah. yeah, Anthony, yeah. Mark Anthony was a Celtic youth player. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, Anthony Joseph. And he said, apparently, that if VVV had stayed up, the price tag on Jacobacus was £12 million. So don't, you know, this guy can play and it'll be hard to find a way to be taking him out you know, and, and you know, you end up with a debate about going. Are we better with Jackamacus up there being a focal point and quite clearly a natural goal scorer? So it's interesting. And again, we'll go back to what we said at the start of the show. These are the headaches. Now we put Dan and go. How do you deal with it, mate? And the wonderful headaches. Yeah, that yeah. of course. I came back to that and the options that he was talking about. Yep, without a doubt. Xavier Diaz comes in. I want Mikioko in the centre scoring goals. I bet a hundred quid on being the top scorer in SPFL at the end of the season. So you know, kind of betting sort of matters more when there's money on it. <laughs> Chad says, "Stunning, agree with you, Amy, on Kyogo through the middle spot on your assessment." Yeah, I don't think Andy would disagree with that, Amy. No. But how how well well strap line there? How impressed were you with Jack and Marcus, Amy? Did you like the look of him? Are you are you happy with his performance and? contribution so far? Yeah, I thought he was um, he was really impressive. I really liked his movement. Um, I thought he was reading the game really well, considering he's not always played with these guys a lot as well. I think he anticipated perhaps where the ball would be. You know, there's under no illusions, you can't underestimate how good a finish that, that goal is. Um, mm. I know it perhaps looks easy that he's only, you know, six, seven yards out, um, but the, the height of the ball, the way that the, the manner of it, you know, it was all very... You know, it was quick because of the deflection from the shot from, um, I think it's Juranovic, isn't it? And the looping ball. Ralston gets a great ball in as well. Um, nice and early, good connection on it. But yeah, um, you know, Yakimaka still has a lot to do, despite it perhaps looking easy. But I thought he, he connected with it really well, took it really well. But no, I liked his movement throughout the day. Um, just anticipating, you know, um, balls. I really liked him in his little cameo um, last week in, in the Europa yeah. League as well. I thought it was really impressive that he just came, um, you know, really got in and around. And again, kind of linking up with Kyogo then as well. I think there was one incident as well um, on the edge of the box where Kyogo looped the ball in. He just quite couldn't quite get on the end of it. But I thought it was a bit of a nuisance um, when he, when he came on during the week. Um, and I think he, he deserved then his start yesterday because it was an impressive little, little stint. And um, yeah, I, I, like, I like the look of him a lot. He took his goal naturally, Russell. That's what uh, impressed me the most. 
you know, and then he looked like a natural footballer in his cameo against Fern Sparrows. And Jamie said, there, you, there is a, a clever footballer there and the looks of a natural predator. Yeah, someone as well, I would say, brimming with confidence, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely brimming with it. That finish was sort of, he got his hip over the ball, the way he swiveled, it was not as easy as it, he made it look, which yeah. is, is, you know, big praise to him. And a couple of aspects I've noticed, I, I would say if we were to put our money on, who, who's the two guys you think would be Angie's signings? If you had to pick two from the 12 we brought in, you would say the most likely to a Kyogo, he's a bit definite. And then Jakimakis, because there's a Greek connection there. Maybe that's yeah. maybe a wee bit simple. But that's what I would say the the two most likely signings that you could definitely say, we well, not definitely say, but probably say were identified by Ange, would be those two. And what I've liked about both is how up for it they seem. Now Celtic posted their unique angle video today on Twitter, which I always look forward to seeing. And <laughs> it lingers for a bit after they score the goal. The camera kind of stays with the players. And it gives you that wee bit of extra insight as to how they react after they score. And once he's, you know, he's, he, he was pumped up after he scored, he did the knee slide. He's then went back with a group of players leading towards the halfway line. And then he breaks away from them again and goes, kind of walks back towards the corner he was, fist pumped. And you could tell he was a guy seriously in the zone at, that is getting it from the, you know, I just like seeing that yeah. passion. And another example of that, this is a wee bit funny, but it's the honest truth. And I don't know if it's because <laughs> Ralston came to Kyogo's aid, um, you know, midweek and got booked. But Kyogo and Ralston collided at one point. I don't know if you remember this. And, and <laughs> Ralston's needing to get a wee bit of treatment. He's on the deck. And as the physio's <laughs> coming on, Kyogo's rubbing his knee, <laughs> trying to make him better. And I just thought, as funny as it looks, you just thought, that guy, I think, firstly feels guilty he's hurt his teammate. But he's yeah. that much of a team player. Like yeah. his instant reaction is, I'll help you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Robson's on the deck and Kyogo's rubbing his knee. I just thought, it was just a wee moment. I thought that, what it does is show the two guys that have came in strike me as very much up for this. And yeah. if Ange is going back to a well of players he thinks can come in with that mentality, then that will rub off on other players that we think there might be a question mark over. So, and to, I know it sounds like I'm making that funny, but I actually think it's quite poignant when you see wee moments like this. There's nothing that Kyogo does that doesn't put a smile on your face. He, he just sure. gets it. You know, he just gets it and he, and he just shows that he loves being at the club. And as you see, that, that's just in his nature. And you try to tell me that isn't a heartwarming moment or a poignant moment, as you say, that he's rubbing his mate's knee. <laughs> it's, like, it's terrific, isn't it? And speaking of Ralston, very much... I mean, and myself included, had him as a bit of a whipping boy at the start of the season. Yep, there you go, there's a start line. As Tony Ralston finally shaking off the scapegoat tag, I think it's t- time we judge Ralston on his performances on a game-by-game basis, yeah? And, and I think just now that he's in that team on merit, Amy, and it'll take a wee bit to dislodge him, you know, because he is, he's, a, he's, given, he's trying his heart out and he's actually playing some good stuff. And I think you've you got to give him praise when, when he's doing that because I've given him enough pelters, you know, so I, I hold my hand up and say, Do you know what, guys like myself, he certainly proved me wrong and he's in that team of merit and he deserves to be there. Yeah, I think it's now came to the, the stage where you don't single him out anymore, you know, for, you know, Ralston had a decent game. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest, you know, plaudits you can give him that he just fits. Um, I know a lot of Celtic fans will still say that, you know, when, when things are all sort of shaping back, Juranovic should, should swap over. And if it be, you know, Bongoli, Taylor, Montgomery, whoever it is on, on the other side, that, that will shift then Ralston out. But I think right now there's there's nothing to really suggest that he shouldn't be on the side. I do agree that I think in recent weeks he has actually perhaps not been quite as effective um, as he was. Because I think at the start of the season, he was really one, one of the key, key players and consistently key. But I think now he's still just, you know, potting away, doing his job. Um, he obviously grabbed the assist the other day. Mm-hmm. I think some of his passing was a little bit slack at the weekend, but I think that's just been like really, really critical. But there was nothing glaring that you go, well, that guy needs to be out the side. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's perhaps like I say, one of the, the biggest credits you can really give to him, that he's fitting into the side a little bit better um, and that you're not singling him out. You don't need to be going, right, let's talk about Tony Ralston's performance because he's just fitting in and, and doing doing his job right. Russell, he has a tendency to overhit crosses. A lot of them allude 
uh, the strikers, but Saturday, by the nature of the way it kind of fizzed it across, it kind of made Jackamacus's mind up because it was an instinctive, it was an instinctive finish, and it was at a it was at a height where you could connect with it, although he had to adjust himself. But and he made the finish look easy, but the nature of the cross kind of made up Jackamacus's mind because it was a split second instinctive it's in the back of the net. So you have to credit Ralston for that, and it was an important moment in the game because Celtic needed a breakthrough goal. Once they got that, they never looked as if they were going to relinquish it. It's always an important, you know, getting that opening goal. And it came very late, it was about 36 minutes or something, or late enough mm-hmm. in the first half, you know, for a for 82% possession domination in the first half. Another one for the stats boys there, you know. So they were <laughs> rampant and dominant without actually, as you say, the, the kind yeah. of squad buckling shots on goal and stuff uh, to show for their efforts. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I thought, thought Ralston did very well because the ball was spinning out the air and he's controlled it and then fired it across, you know. So you have to cr- give him credit for things like that that he's doing. Well, there's two, there's a couple of things I, I, I think of Ralston. There was a great point made. I think it was in the match day coverage pre-match between Lawrence and Paul. I could be wrong. But they were talking about Ralston's playing at times three positions because he ain't yeah. getting much help in terms of, you know, uh, backtracking from a batter. So he's first and foremost a defender. He's playing this brand new role of inverted fullback, and at times for me, that's when he looks at his most uncomfortable when mm-hmm. he's collecting his ball, facing his own goal around that centre circle area. I, I still, for me, I, I don't think he's as comfortable there. I know someone else in the WhatsApp group chat uh, for Axon feels he is actually looking more comfortable there, but that's just two different opinions. That's fine. Um, I also think he's doing a heck of a lot of great work as an overlapping attacking wing back, if you like. And I think what's been asked of him this season from a guy brought in from the cold, only on a one-year deal as well. So you're on edge a wee bit, I think, without that security as a as a player. And then a, and then a Croatian international signed, basically in your position. I think he's overcame a heck of a lot of barriers this year. I really do. Out with what he's doing just on the pitch, he yeah. deserves immense credit for that. Also, we talk a lot about Jota being on loan because we've only got him to the end of the season. Tie him down now. When does that become a conversation about Tony Ralston? Um, because he's obviously only been given a one-year extension um, mm-hmm. in the summer. And you've got to start thinking smartly here and going, if this guy can do anything like what we've seen so far. And by the way, I actually think he'll get better. I don't think he'll stagnate. I think he'll get better. I'm not saying he'll be Celtic's first choice uh, right back season on season or anything like that. I think he can push whoever's got the jersey, though. And I certainly think when he plays, he can be counted on. For me, is Johnny Ralston now creating the same question we have of Jota? And should we be looking at, in the next couple of months, before he's available on a Bosman, because we know how a wash English Championship, even some League One teams are, can yeah, compete yeah. with the wages Tony Ralston will be on right now. And they might be able to offer him security that Celtic haven't as of yet. And I wonder if that will now become the next one. See, whilst we, we focus on Jota, because, I mean, what an impact he's had, etc. We'll talk about that. But the question always seems to be, why don't we just sign him permanently now? Well, I think that same question can be posed to Tony Ralston. And, you know, there's no money involved, really, apart from just securing a longer-term contract for the big man. So, fair play. Russell, what I always say, ask the question. Yes. Ask the question of Ralston, see where he's at and see where you're at as a club. It wouldn't do them yep. any harm to tie down because going back to the big O word, it always gives you options. Yeah. Now, 100%. speaking of options and options that are clearly not contributing to the Celtic cause at the minute, you know, we look at, there's there's like four we think that, you know, could maybe do with going to pastures new. I would say Albina Jetty falls into that category. Barkas, Sorrow and Bolly Bolingoli. Amy, do you see them being cut adrift in January? Should they be cut adrift in January? Should you be engineering, you know, moves to sort of get them to go elsewhere and help with your rebuild? I mean, I don't know if we'll recoup a lot of money for them, but is it the best to get them off the wage bill and get whatever you get for them to put it towards your spend for bringing in other players that Ange might have identified? I think Barker has definitely. Um, you know, it's just it's quite simply just not worked out. Um, I don't think 
I think he's one of the guys that's probably been given a fair crack of the whip and it's, you know, it's time after time. There's not been anything that you can go, or you can go back to and go, well, you know, he pulled that off. I think it's I just one of those ones you've really got to cut your losses and it's just kind of, it's not really came to came to the surface. Ball and ball and golly, I have no idea. You know, he comes and flits out his sides left, right and centre. He's in squads one minute, not in squads the next minute, then he's starting. Um, I have no idea. I can't even kind of gauge perhaps what Postacoglu does. Think of him, where he rates him, where he places him in that pecking order. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if he stayed. Um, I'll be in a Yeti. I think it's frustrating, you know, because I do believe that there's a player in there. There has to be a player in there. Um, you know, from from his time at Basel, I just know there has to be something in there. But it's it's now kind of really becoming apparent as to why it didn't work out at West Ham for him, you know. Um, and again, it's just it's sheer frustration. And who was the other one? The other one was Sorrow. Oh, Sorrow. Um, again, frustrating because you know when he, when he burst onto the scene probably around a year ago now, wasn't it? It'll be coming up to a year when when him and David Turnbull really, you know, were were, were those two crazy inclusions. Um, and you know he looked pretty solid. I don't know now though. Looking back, did we just think he was so good because everything else was going so bad at the time, and we just really wanted to you know to to big this guy up? But right now he's just such a liability. So I'm not so sure then if, if he is right for, for Celtic because you can't have a guy, you know, every time he comes on and we're just thinking, right, when's he going to get booked? Or what kind of, you know, what rogue tackle could be going in here? So I could understand if, if Sorrow went, but, you know, you need to, what happens if Carl McGregor gets injured again? You know, and I know that the injuries are actually few and far between, but it's already happened this season. So yeah. You need to think about cover. If James McCarthy's still going to be out on the sidelines, he's not a, a you know a solid cover at all. And then you're kind of looking then right. You're either dropping Rogic or, or Turnbull back, or are you bringing Beaton in? You're bringing a young guy in who's who's not really anywhere near the scene right now. So there's a lot of if buts and maybe. So I could understand sorrow certainly until the end of the season. But um, that was a really long-winded way to go. I'm not actually too sure. Also. <laughs> <laughs> Ajete, Barkas, Bolongoli, Sorrow, where do you stand on, on them? Should they stay or should they go? It's a big couple of months, particularly for Ajete. I feel he can still salvage something. He has to make the most, whether he's only getting five, ten minutes. He has to be doing everything in his power to contribute, particularly in these sort of home games, get on the end of something, you know, make something happen. He, you know, the impetus has got to be on him now because I think there will be an egg timer on him right now. And I think that, you know, the sand is going down it and it's it's a case of if he's not got any sort of, you know, further contribution made to the team between now and January, he may well be looked at someone to go get him off the wage bill, get a million and a half, a couple of million for him and just write off what's happened. Um, ball and goalie, to me, I, I don't know why, this is my opinion, but generally I felt when Liam Scales came on, uh, midweek against Ferencvaros, and I know bowling goalie can't in Europe European matches, but I felt scales to me. I, I just felt far more comfortable when he gets the ball than I have with what I seen at bowling goalie in that last match. Um, that's my honest opinion. So I've got no qualms about cutting him loose permanently. <laughs> uh, Barkas, Barkas. I mean, he was back on the bench at the weekend. Yes, I, I find that baffling. I, I, I know it's not a big deal. Because it's very unusual that you have to bring on your subkeeper, but what's the point? Get the message across to him that he's surplus to requirements. Make sure he's working his ticket as much as we are for him, yeah. so that this, you know, this disaster comes to an end. And as for Sorrow, I backed him the other week, and I'm still going to do that. I think all round a loan move for Sorrow to an SBFL club in January, with with the caveat of a callback option or a recall option, like, because Amy's made a good point there and got me thinking. But if you've got a recall option on him that you can bring him back at any time, I don't know if you're still allowed to do that in the loan system. I think you can. Then I think that would benefit everyone. Get Soro a run of games at a, I don't know, a Motherwell or whoever, a Hibs. Imagine him at Hibs. That'd be great to see how he would do, do there. I think it would. I don't want to write him off completely, but... Ajeti's on a tightrope, the other two 100% gone. 
Well, we, you could go to Hibs because then they could sing, My heart was broken. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, speaking of Hibs, <laughs> see the way as a neat segue into our next football match. Right. High Bees at Easter Road. Now, a few weeks ago, Russell, we were talking about would we win any of these three away games, Amy? Russell, we were on the Monday programme and we were conjecturing if we could win any of the three of them. Now we stand on the precipice of, of getting nine points from all three. If, but obviously we have to go and play Hibs at Easter Road and they've been having a decent season up until the last couple of games. Maybe an optimum time to get Hibs because they're maybe on the slide a wee bit, Amy, after a, a really good start. Aberdeen beat them surprisingly on Saturday. So, you know, Celtic hopefully can compound the misery. Going yeah, to yeah. yeah, it was a poor result the weekend for Hibs. Um, you know, they do struggle going up to uh, to over recent years, but it's not been the Aberdeen side of of late. Um, so yeah, that was a, that's a tough one to take. Um, because you know Aber- Aberdeen are struggling, and uh, kind of after everything that happened last week, you know, with um, with Dave Cormack and everything, it's just kind of it's been quite a whirlwind week for for, for Aberdeen. So for them to get the, the three points is is really really poor from from Hibs, and then obviously you know it was it was kind of a you say embarrassment, but probably Dundee United aren't getting the credit they deserve right now in, in the in the SPFL. Everyone's talking about obviously you know Hearts being the promoted side as well, um, but Dundee United I, I think they they deserve a lot of credit. Um, I genuinely believe that we are getting uh, Hibs at a good time. Um, I think things are just are just going from from bad to worse right now. Obviously, th- there was that appalling uh, performance against Dundee United a few weeks ago at Easter Road, but it is going to be a, a tough game. Um, there's there's no denying that. But yeah, I'm um, I'm optimistic now. Russell, yourself, you see Celtic going to Easter Road and winning. It's hard to answer. I mean, it's going to be a test. There's no doubt about it. The one thing I've noticed with Jack Ross's team is when they, when they, and obviously they will over a course of every season that you're, you're the Hibs boss, they have slip-ups, they have wee dips, but they don't tend to go on runs like the one we've seen at Aberdeen with Stephen Glass of late. You know, t- mm-hmm. you've never seen that happen. They seem to bounce bounce back relatively quickly. Um, so whether we're catching them at the right time or not, it's hard to, hard to work out because... They're not known for going into, you know, sort of lulls for, you know, a long stretch of games in the slightest. They've got a lot of good players there as well that can punish us. Um, but if we focus on the Celtic side, we're coming into the game at the right time for us. Yeah. We're in the back of some real confidence-inspiring results that have been done in a completely different manner to when we were going to, you know, the spaghetti had and things like that. It was on the back of these rock and roll wins but then we couldn't we couldn't get you know anything away from home. We'd already been beaten by Hearts. You know, I I've got a feeling that the team will be buying in more now than ever as to what they're doing. And I'll go back to what I said at the top of the show. Ange came out on Saturday and says two key things with this team are going to be patience and discipline. Now, if we make those our two focal points and our two main mentality traits when we go to Easter Road. We are in with a right good chance of getting an outstanding three points, which really would top off a fantastic string of results. And I think could really then you could see a pendulum. I'm not saying swinging to our side, but certainly meet more in the middle between the the two clubs buying the two realistic clubs buying for the title. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to teams above us. I, I really don't. But the pendulum right now is very much still in the blue half. But if we were to go three from three in those away games that, as you say, me and you were trying to scratch our heads as to which one we'd win away if we carried on playing the way we were before. But the fact that's been remedied, yeah. and I think it would get eyebrows raised, Tony, if people yeah. were to say, right, Petodre, Fir Park, Easter Road, three wins from three. They're now beginning to go through the gears. They're now beginning to look like a team that can go the distance. In terms of a title race, I'm not going to be foolish enough at this stage to say we'll go and win the title. I don't mean it like that. But I certainly think a win at Easter Road could just see them that monumentum the, the, you know, go with us a wee bit more than, than what it has in the earlier parts of the season. 
Could be the catalyst, Amy, the springboard upon which to launch said title challenge at Russell. Momentum, I meant there, not monumental. Momentum, momentum. Make that up Yeah, we knew what you meant. I don't know who's more that. I understood. But yeah, that momentum builder, Amy, you know, that that could help, couldn't it? Yeah, um, it's it's massive. Um, I think as well with the, the momentum is, is definitely growing and that, that's coming across in the park. But I think it's because... Or a, or a crucial part of it for, for me is certainly, you know, the team spirit that is becoming so apparent. You know, Callum McGregor touched upon it a few weeks ago and I was still a little bit dubious. Obviously, you're going to take his word for it. Um, but I just didn't quite think that it was always coming across perhaps so much on the pitch. But going back to the the Cameron Carter-Vickers incident, actually, against McCain at the weekend, you know, the onrush of players to, to defend... Carter Vickers, and I'm not meaning the onrush of players to go and hound the referee because that's totally what I'm against, and obviously what we said last week. But it was just to go and stand up for for their teammate. You know, you watch Juranovic completely, completely go the other side of uh, Celtic Park. Tom Rogic tracked back, and um, you know Starfell and, and Joe Hart. You know, it's probably the most movement that Joe Hart had to do all, all weekend um, mm-hmm. was his burst from from goal up to, to Carter Vickers. So you know, there is a real gel and there's a real team unity going on right now and I think that is you know crucial to the momentum and just the belief in the investment in, in Ange Postacoglu's style but also within like his his team philosophy and obviously what the group that he is is trying to create Couldn't agree more Amy Now yeah. on a wee poignant note Russell mentioned the word poignancy uh, earlier but Bim Janssen probably not escaped your attention at the weekend that the man who stopped to 10 it's been reported that he's fighting dementia. Uh, so we hope that everything is okay with them moving forward, but we're mindful of the fact that Celtic have lost Billy McNeil, Charlie Gallagher and Stevie Chalmers recently to the most terrible affliction, Russell, and to hear that it's uh, that Vim's fighting, it's just, just it's a shock and it's also pretty sad, isn't it, for for all the Celtic supporters out there, because he was only there one season, but what a season he gave us. Yeah, I mean, it is sad, first and foremost. It is really sad, and we know, you know, one of our very own, Chris Sutton, has been, you know, yeah, at yeah. the very at the forefront. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but there is an interview, it'll be on YouTube now, Yeah, Chris Sutton talks about the effect dementia has on families and how it came to his dad, and he bursts into tears. Yeah. And I would advise anyone to watch that, you know, we all know the other character Chris Sutton can be and how far removed a guy like him being so emotional is. So you, it almost hit you more. Um, I'd implore anyone to watch it. It's fascinating. And, and you know, he keeps banging the drum and, and, and I'm all for it. He's very right to question how common a thread this is happening yeah. in football. But if you indulge me for two minutes about Vim, because I know we want to talk about the positives as well and what a wonderful season it was. Um... It's amazing memories for me. Now, I spoke Celtic because my dad, dad passed away about 11 years ago. He was a young man when he died, and it's all sad and that. But I support Celtic because of him. You know, he got me into it. And believe me, in the 90s, as a kid growing up, I often asked the question, why am I doing this? <laughs> because we were on the wrong end of bad results. And everyone at school supported the other team. It was just, you know, it was a... You know, I was just getting ripped all the time and it wasn't it wasn't great. Now we lived in a semi-detached house, right? And on the other side of the semi-detached was a classmate and still a great friend of mine to this day, uh, Mark, who they are very much of the other side of the coin. And earlier on in the 97-98 season, I can't I'm not gonna pretend to remember what game, but Rangers have scored against us. And for the first time ever, our no- our wall has been knocked <laughs> like through because it's living room to living room. And my dad, he was quite a big guy, unlike me. And he goes, he's like, did our wall just get knocked, sir? <laughs> and yeah, don't do anything. He goes, oh no, noted. And I was like, right. So on the day we stopped the ten, and I'm ten years old, trying to understand, you know, the the you know the monumentum of this. Uh, uh, the, the, the scale of how big this was, my dad has already a bottle of Bowie in the fridge. It's quite a nice street we lived on, you know, it's quite civilised. The shirt's ripped off at full time <laughs> as he proceeds to run into their front lawn, pouring champagne all over his his body, his head, spraying it at their windows in jubilation at what happened. 
And he says, remember that time they knocked my wall, son? <laughs> <laughs> Which I just think is a point. Oh. Of, I know it's a wee bit self-indulgent, but yeah, that always remind me of um, that season <laughs> with him. And then I remember basically that night we stayed and we watched sports scene. It was like half ten at night. I was like to stay up to and just getting the importance of it. You know, that education, you're sitting on his knee and he's explaining to you, that guy should have a statue. You don't know what's happened today. And I, I didn't get it. You know, what I was 10 years old and he's going, you don't understand what's happened today. So that's my sort of favourite memory of him. I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a point. But yeah, you know, just one of those moments to, to share today. But all oh, best wishes with, with him, Janssen, most importantly. Yeah. And of course, for what all the Celtic families thinking of him, 100%. Amy, you'll have been too young to remember that, but I'm sure you'll have watched all sorts of DVDs and stuff like that, and you're well-versed because you know your history clearly. You'll have watched it and stuff, and it, uh, a, a magnificent season for Celtic, you know, uh, just preserving the nine record, you know, and, and shattering the ten. Yeah, um, I am more than well-versed, and I have, um, you know, you, you kind of get it forced upon you I think at a younger age um, I certainly did it was you know, I never really had much of an option I cannot tell you much I've even I've watched the 6-2 game I think more than any use all combined because it just used to be on <laughs> um, and I wasn't even alive for that one but um, no the, that season um, kind of similarly to Russell the reason that I hear about it all the time is because my mum and dad got married on the day that we stopped 10 um, wow. So, yeah, oh, wow. yeah so um I hear a lot of stories about how um, my uncles kind of just were like, do we really want to go to our sister's wedding? Just really want to go to the pub, make sure they've done this. Uh, there's stories of the priest going down to the local, uh, the, the corner pub as well, just kind of along for the chapel just to make, just to catch all the celebrations. Um, so, yeah, my family perhaps weren't there the day it stopped to 10, but there was, you know, perhaps greater issues going on. So, um no, I'm more than well versed in that season. How much everything, you know, that that Vim done um, means to it. So, yeah, so just as Russell's retailing his stories, I can kind of, you know, I can my mum and dad be upstairs right now, and I just know that they're going to be rattling off all these ones about the wedding day. My <laughs> grand, honestly, my grand going mental. The, the, the boys are running away to the pub. You know, their sister's trying to get married here, but they just need to make sure they so stop the day and everything's went well. Um, so, yeah, I think we've all got a poignant story that somehow relates to to Vim. Well, I was uh, I was working as a journalist. St. Martin Dundee, end of season fair, absolute garbage. It finished one 0 to St. Martin, and I'm sitting there, and it's one 0 to Celtic because obviously they've scored early, and a boy slaps me in the back of the head and says, "Harold Brack's back just scored." I sat my hands because I thought if I don't sit in my hands, I will go off my chump, and I just sort of inside I was doing the moonsh, silent screaming, you know. And uh, I, did, I was the ultimate and consummate professional, spoke to the players and the managers and all that at the end. And when I came out of Love Street, it was the old car park just outside Love Street. And my father and my brother, who were at the game, had picked me up. And the two of them came running towards me and we just had a huddle. We just didn't care who yeah. saw us. And we were jumping around because Jock Steen's my dad's hero. And he just couldn't bear the thought of Rangers eclipsing Jock Steen's nine. And then uh, he was in tears, and I was kind of like, all right, cool. It was, but as you say, Russell, one of those moments that you remember, and we thank Vim for that, for giving us that moment, his team in that season. And uh, yeah, he gave us a gift of Henrik Larson. What a gift that was. Yeah. And as you say, all the thoughts, Celtic family, go to Vim. But I just remember everybody staring at these three loonies, jumping around and thinking, St Mirren only won one now. Absolutely tonto, you know. So, uh, yeah. and uh, he always kind of raised a glass to him for that and the magic that uh, that he gave us that season. Just the the sense of occasion and, as you say, the the history and what they actually achieved. Because when you're growing up, the nineties was a lean, lean time for Celtic. And that was kind of emerging from the dark tunnel, I guess you could call it. And uh, yeah, thoughts to Vim and the members of his family. Thank you for everything. And on that note, we'll end the broadcast. Thanks for contribution, guys.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.